The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for His kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow us on Facebook and visit ShadyGrovePCA.org. All right, good morning again. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in a city called Ephesus. And a couple of the big themes of this book are the church and power. The church and power. And so combining those two things, really the whole book is about victory, how the Ephesians have victory over all things, over the enemy, over the world, over the flesh. And so really what I, what, what I want us to look at here is how the Apostle Paul reminds them he's doing warfare by reminding them of how good the good news is he's reminding them of how good the good news is and that's going to be our main point for this morning so again turn with me to ephesians chapter 2 we're going to read verses 1 through 10 i'll pray for us and we'll dive in and you were dead in the trespasses and sins In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in christ jesus For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this moment where we can come together to worship you, to pray for you, to enjoy each other's fellowship and service, to sing to you. And Lord, we ask that right here, right now, you would continue to meet us through your preached word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me Holy Spirit, I need your help. I thank you that you remember that I'm made of dust, that I'm weak and frail, and Lord, I can do nothing without you. 
And so, Lord, I pray in this moment I would abide in you that I may produce fruit. Lord, I pray that you would give me conviction and boldness and clarity. Lord, would you give me energy and a focus and a zeal? Lord, I pray you would give me the freedom of forgetting about myself and being lost in you. Lord, I pray for your hearers today. Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts, that they might be able to receive your word. King Jesus, I pray that you would have your way this morning. I pray that you would conform us to your image. Lord, I pray that you would comfort those who are hurting and afflicted. Jesus, I pray that you would make us not only good hearers of your word, but good doers of your word. Lord, I pray that we would leave here different than when we came. Jesus, we need your help every moment, every hour, every minute, every second of the day. And we need you to move and be present with us here that we might know you and love you. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So many of us will achieve some kind of success, whether it's in grade school, in your job, in your career. Uh, and many of us will get to a place where we're financially comfortable or maybe we're accepted and admired by our peers and celebrated or you've reached goals that you've been trying to attain. And many of you are there right now. Many of us will achieve some sort of success and we are right to celebrate that. But with success, there's oftentimes distractions. The distraction of comfort, unbridled ambition, clout chasing, anxiety, insecurities, these things can distract us from the good thing that is success. We can become arrogant, we can become rude and condescending to those around us. We can lose a sense of gratitude and happiness. And you know it's a part of this complex issue? Forgetfulness forgetfulness. Don't we see forgetfulness in the movies? Is there anybody who's a Star Wars fan? Yeah, I just finished, did I? Yeah, I just finished watching The Mandalorian the other night. It was good. Um, we see forgetfulness in Darth Vader, don't we? That he starts out as his powerful, promising young Jedi, and, but he forgets his humble beginnings. He forgets the people who made him a Jedi. And he forgets who he truly is. Don't we also see this in entertainment or with famous business moguls or uh, just folks who are celebrities that they start out uh, with pure motives and intentions and then they get into a position of influence and power and they forget why they even started off in the first place? And dare I say, don't we see this in our politicians? They started off wanting to serve the community, wanting to see the world become a better place. And in the midst of all of the, 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 the inner workings, they become lost in power plays and trying to make compromises with other people. And they forget why they started off in the first place. In order to walk in success, we must remember. We must remember. 
because we can totally forget where we came from, who got us there, and who we are. And this is why the older and wiser folks around us, you know, when we maybe graduate from school and we're going to go off and get a job, they remind us, say, you know, yes, you got a little money in your pocket, and yes, you bought your new car, you got your new apartment, or whatever it might be, but baby, remember who you are. Remember where you came from and remember the people who got you there. Remembering these things keeps us in touch with reality and truth. And family, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. We become Christians and we're in that honeymoon phase for Jesus. Did anybody have that honeymoon phase for Jesus? Where they, you know, first met the Lord and you're going hard, you're hardcore and you're throwing away all the music CDs that you own and you're sharing the gospel every single moment you get and you're just, you know, fired up and you're just, you know, walking around rebuking people because you're just so burdened that people aren't following Jesus, right? I remember I had this, this, uh, this phase towards the end of college and I remember, you know, I would walk around campus and people would be like, oh, here comes Cyril, you know, he's going he's to ask us some spiritual questions, right? But, I, but isn't this, this phase kind of beautiful? That there's this innocence there, there's this passion there. Uh, and, 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 and either way, like, that phase cannot be sustainable. And praise the Lord that the Lord matures us out of that, right? Uh, but oftentimes, don't we totally lose even the good things that we had in that phase? That old sins start to creep in. Trials and tribulations start to come. Anxiety, clout chasing, insecurities, guilt and shame drown out our joy that we at first had for the Lord, and then we forget. Spiritually, we forget where we came from, the one who got us there, and who we are. And here's the thing. The enemy wants us to forget how good the good news is. The enemy, the devil, Satan, the evil spiritual powers that are at work in the world, they want us to forget how good the good news is. And we start to walk outside of the power that Christ gives. And we neglect a lifestyle that is filled with excitement for the gospel. And we become lackluster Christians. And this directly impacts our ability to be outwardly focused and to share the good news with others. And so, like I said, the main point for our time this morning is the good news is good. That second good is is in italics. The good news is good. So share it. We're going to talk about the good news is good. And if we believe the good news is good, we ought to live lifestyles where we want to share this good news with our neighbors and others. The devil wants us to forget is one of his most powerful tactics. And so Paul here in our letter is doing spiritual battle by helping them remember. He wants them to be victorious over the world, the flesh and the devil by remembering where they came from, remembering who got them there and remembering who they are. So let's look at some ways that Paul wants them to remember how good the good news is. First, he wants them to remember where they came from. You must remember where you came from, Christian. Remember where you came from. And we see this in verses one through three. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You must remember that you came from death. You came from death. And before the Ephesian Christians became Christians, they walked in a different way than they did when they were Christians. 
The way they used to walk before they met Jesus was defined by sins and trespasses, both against God and their neighbors. In the Bible, death isn't just when you go into the grave. Death is something that can affect you even while you're alive. To live in sins and trespasses, to walk in this way is death. The Ephesians before they met Jesus were the walking dead. And not only that, but Paul wants them to remember something else. He says, following the course of this world. He wants them to remember that they came from the world. And oftentimes when Paul says world, don't think of like the total population of the planet. This is kind of a technical term referring to humanity and rebellion against God. Humanity and their anti-God programming, all of the cultural norms, the institutions, the policies, the feelings, the thoughts, the ideologies that rear their ugly head against God and the knowledge of him in our world. They were following the ways of the world. They were comfortable and right at home with everything around them. But he also wanted them to remember that they came from the devil. The Bible says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you might be thinking, who is the prince of the power of the air? Oftentimes the Bible, like the Bible has its own kind of spiritual worldview that is hard for us secular folks to get our heads around. But they they believe that there are spiritual rulers and authorities and principalities. In other words, demonic forces that were at work in the world. And princes and rulers were ways of referring to these beings. And the air was a way of referring to the spiritual realms in which these beings worked. So the prince of the, putting it all together, the prince of the power of the air is otherwise known as Satan, the devil, Beelzebul, the evil one. Uh, Jesus calls him the ruler of this world in John 12. In following the ways of the world, they were following the one who had power over the world. Any God programming of the world is by intelligent design. There are evil beings who are animating people to rebel against God. And we see this in our passage. It says they were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Some of your translations might say that is energizing the sons of disobedience. Just as God sends his Holy Spirit to animate and energize Christians, the devil has spirits that animate and energize all of the evil and rebellion in the world. Before they met Jesus, their lives were animated, energized by spiritual darkness. And lastly, he wants them to remember that they came from the flesh. The Bible says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So when you hear the flesh, don't think of like literal flesh, like our skin and, and, and bones and meat. The flesh was, uh, is also another technical term that Paul used. It's a symbolic way of referring to a life void of the Holy Spirit, a fleshly life. It's really a way of referring to our old selves before we met Jesus. And as they lived in the flesh, they followed the passions of the flesh, which meant that they all, all of the desires and passions and motivations and loves that they had before Jesus that are contrary to Jesus, they were enslaved by them. 
and even their best deeds were incomplete because they were tainted by these desires. And because they operated in this way, they deserved the wrath of God. The Bible says that they were by nature children of wrath. So you might be thinking, whoa, the wrath of God. Wrath is just a fancy old word for anger, God's just anger. God is a God of justice. And so just in the same way when we break the law that we cry out for, for justice when someone does something horrible, we cry out for justice. In the same way when we do things horrible, when we sin, that the, the universe cries out for justice. God himself is the God of justice. And he will meet justice upon us for the ways that we destroy ourselves, our neighbors, and the world around us. So y'all might be thinking, whoa, this is pretty intense so far. And it is. This passage starts out pretty intense, does it not? Uh, to summarize what Paul is saying, the devil controls the world. The world shaped their lives. Their lives were filled with, evil, with sinful desires and deeds. And this whole complex of corruption was under God's just punishment. God was upset about it. His justice was over it. And so you might be thinking, well, this dude is talking about flesh and evil spirits. What is this guy talking about? But this is what the scriptures teach. This is what the scriptures teach. But is it really surprising, though? Uh, I have this magazine. I'm really not great at keeping up with the news. Um, yesterday, so I get this is a magazine called The Week, and it comes weekly, and it kind of summarizes the news. And yesterday, I was trying to catch up. I'm still in July of 2022. And so <laughs> I keep on trying to convince myself that I'm going to catch up. Um, but it's kind of fun. It's like reading uh, <laughs> about the world like a story. Um, but it, it, the, the thing is, is that as you read the news, is it really surprising that all of these things are true? That the, like when we read the, about the evil in the world, it, it's like this is not just by chance. There, there, there's evil animating this. In, in the same way, when we look at like something beautifully designed, uh, when we look, uh, when I look at something horribly designed or horrible, I'm, uh, horribly designed, I'm like, there must be a designer. There must be evil forces at work. There, 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 there must be something uh, that traps humanity. Year after year after year, the same horrible things keep happening. Why can't we break out of the cycle? It's because we are bound by the flesh. The world is is under death. Who will save us from all of these things? And here's the thing. Oftentimes, we aren't really aware of the brokenness of the world as Christians because we've grown comfortable with the world. We are at peace with a world that is not at peace with God. And so as those who know Jesus, we ought to be bothered. Family, here's the question. Have we forgotten where we came from? Have we forgotten where we've come from? Just like the successful person who's forgotten about their humble beginnings, have we forgotten that we came from all of these things? And I think the reason why we don't share our faith more is because we actually have forgotten that we are dead and there is death all around us. Um, there's, there's this one Drake song that's called Started From The Bottom, Now We're Here. And it's kind of, you know, it's become like a pop culture phrase, like, yeah, it started from the bottom, now we're here. Have y'all have heard that saying before? Um, it refers to someone who, who started out in a very low position and has come up. 
But don't we often sometimes say the opposite as Christians? We should be saying that as Christians. Started from the bottom and now we're here with Jesus. But don't we oftentimes say started from the top and now we're here as Christians living the boring Christian life? Because we really think that life before Jesus might have actually been better than what we have to go through now. Don't we sometimes kind of think fondly of the days before Jesus, if we're really honest with ourselves? I could just do whatever I wanted to do and I didn't have to worry about giving. You know, giving is kind of, you know, it's hard sometimes and I didn't have to worry about restraining myself and didn't have to worry about following Jesus when everyone around me who isn't following Jesus looks like they're living a better life. We've forgotten where we have come from. And here's the thing I have to do to myself. Sometimes I give myself a little pep talk. I say, Cyril, do you remember why you came to Christ in the first place? Because you were miserable. (laughs) There's actually a reason why you embraced Jesus. I'll be talking to myself. It's because you were sinful and miserable. You were dead. You were participating in the evil of this world. Your life was animated by spiritual darkness. You were bound by the flesh. You had a spiritual death sentence over your life. This is why you embraced Jesus, because you were dead. And we have to remember this. I was God's enemy, and he loved me to my senses. He loved me into life. And so we must remember this if we're going to share the good news with others. Because we oftentimes, don't we oftentimes, uh, there's there's a stat, Barner Group, they kind of do Christian stats. There's a stat that 50% of Gen Z believes that sharing your faith is immoral. That sharing your faith is immoral because you're sharing beliefs with someone who might disagree with you. And it's bad to share things that other people might disagree with. But here's the thing, if we really believe that we were dead and that other people are dead and and we need life, we must share the good news. Sometimes we believe that we're just inconveniencing other people by sharing, them, by sharing the good news with them. And no, we must share the good news if we believe in where we have come from. But number two, we must remember, you must remember who got you here. Remember the good news is good by remembering who got you here. Look at verse 4. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. God is the one who got you here. Isn't this beautiful? But God are some of the most beautiful two words in all of the Bible. We had a great dilemma, but we also have a great deliverer. deliverer. And why did he deliver us? It was because of his love for us. God loves us. And I love Paul right here. Like, have y'all ever heard of spoken word where someone does poetry out loud? I really believe that a lot of Paul's epistles are really kind of, if he did them out loud, it would be a little spoken word-ish because he starts to get really flowery with his language. He says, rich in mercy, and he says love twice because of the great love with which he loved us. Like, I just think Paul is getting excited here. And all this passage is mentioning God's mercy, grace, and kindness. And these are all forms of the ways that God beautifully and manifestly loves you. Mercy is God's love for the miserable. Grace is God's love for the unworthy. Kindness is God's gentle love. God loves us in so many ways. 
But also we must remember that God got us here through his own life. Through his own life. Check out verse at the end of verse 5. It says, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And it's in verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says that God made you alive with Christ. So when Christ resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven, he had life over death and he had power over the world. In the same way, if you are united to Christ by faith, if you have faith in him, if you have placed your trust in Christ, all the things that belong to Christ belong to you. You also experience a resurrection. You have come from death to life. You also are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You, Christian, have overcome the world, have overcome all things. You were walking in death, but now you are walking in life. You were under the power of Satan, but now you reign over Satan. You had a worldly life, but now you have a heavenly life. You were under the wrath of God, but now you are under the grace of God. You are alive, Christian. Have y'all ever given a car a jump? Like, you know, hooked up the, the, the wires to the, to the two different batteries. What you, you bring the car whose battery is alive up next to the dead car, and you hook up the jumper cables, and you start to rev the engine of the car with the living battery in order to bring to life the dead battery. And this is what it's like spiritually. You see, Jesus, he comes with his resurrection power and he hooks up jumper cables to you and he starts to rev his resurrection engine and you have life by being connected to him. And the jumper cables are the spirit and faith. This is how you get connected to the life of Christ. In this, the Bible is clear, your salvation, everything that you have spiritually is not your own doing. You aren't smart enough. You aren't powerful enough. You aren't cute enough. You aren't rich enough. You aren't uh, socially connected enough to walk into life. If we try to get life on our own, we will always be disappointed. A car can't jump itself. A drowning person can't lifeguard themselves. A a flaming house cannot extinguish itself. Another person has to come rescue you. It had to be by grace. The Bible says it's a gift because we couldn't give it to ourselves. We could not give life to ourselves. Somebody had to come and give it to us. And God brought us here for his own glory. Verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What was God's goal in saving us? He wanted to show off his graciousness and kindness. And, it, and, and, and this isn't God being selfish, right? God is doing this for the good of everybody. It says so that in the coming ages he might show his kindness, his riches. This is because he wants past, present, and future people of every age to look at the lives, to look at our lives and say, God is good. God is generous. We are a billboard of God's kindness and graciousness so that other people 
might receive his grace. And God brought you here by faith. The Bible says that we've been saved through faith. Like I said, faith is just another word for trusting in God. It's, faith is totally relying on something or someone else. Um, when you are drowning, you have no option to trust the lifeguard. When you're under anesthesia for surgery, you have no choice but to trust the surgeon. In the same way, when you are dead and your trespasses and sins, you have no option but to trust the giver of life. You have no other option. You're stuck. And because of our total helplessness, trust does not mean that we earn our salvation. It is merely the way that we receive God's help. Faith is merely the way that we receive God's help. You see, when, when something breaks in my house and the technician comes over, we, we just recently had a, like a water stain on our ceiling. I think it's from when my kids are splashing in the tub, and I think it seeped through. <laughs> so I'm like, stop splashing in the tub. Um, but the, the technician comes over, and he re, you know, recalks things, and he puts some spray on the ceiling. And when he leaves, I don't brag about that, right? I'm not going to turn my yeah, you know, you should really thank me for, no. <laughs> Somebody had to come fix what the problem was. And this is the same thing. When, when someone comes and fixes something, we don't take credit for it. We don't boast about it. Christians ought to be the most humble people on the face of the planet. Because we know that we were so helpless that we had to be saved by somebody else. Being saved doesn't make us prideful. It doesn't make us look down on others. It makes us humble. It makes us joyfully humble people because we are boasting in someone else. And family, the question for this morning is, have some of us forgotten who got us here? Just like a, a, a celebrity who might forget all of the people that were good to them along the way, have we forgotten how good God has been? <laughs> have we forgotten how good the good news is? We were once dead and now we are alive. And I think that sometimes why we don't share our faith more often, why we don't share the good news, is because we really don't believe that God has done that much for us. We're like, you know, God, thanks for giving me a few rules giving me when I mess up, but that's about it, right? But here's the thing. God has done so much more than that. You are alive. God has given you all things. And lastly, we remember how good the good news is by remembering who we are. Remember who you are. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it says we are his workmanship. Now that we are saved, we belong to him. In other words, you are something made by God. We are all created by God because we're all human beings. God created everything. But if you are saved, you are being recreated. You're being newly refurbished, newly created. You are being DIY'd by God. You are meant to be something that God wants to show off. And it says you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why are you being recreated, refurbished, DIY'd? It's because he wants you to do good works. Here's the thing. We aren't saved by good works. 
but we are saved for good works. We aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Like I said, a lot of us have forgotten our purpose. We're like, oh, you know what? You know, I'm so glad for forgiveness and, you know, I'm so glad that God is going to be there to forgive me. But no, the same grace that forgives is the same grace that empowers us to live different lives. The same grace that empowers us to be different, to change. And if we think that, okay, I'm a Christian and now I have free packs to send it up, it shows that we actually don't understand salvation. If God has given you life, why would you continue to cling to death? God has given you life so that you can walk in it. And then lastly, what's his plan for, for, for all of this? It says, God has prepared these good works beforehand that we should walk in them. God has literally planned out all of the good works, and all we have to do is walk in them. It's God's plan for us to live differently. This is a beautiful reversal of everything that was true of them before they came to Christ. They followed the course of the world, and they were living by the flesh, and they were under the power of the devil, but now they belong to God and are being recreated and sent to not walk according to the flesh, but walking according to God's new creation purpose. And family, have some of us forgotten what it means to belong to God? That just like a, a someone who becomes famous can forget all the things that are central to them, forget the, the purpose which, uh, uh, the, the purpose of, of why they entered into that lane of work. A celebrity who might forget their home, their community, their family. Have we forgotten the things that truly are core to our identity as Christians? And as a result, we might be neglecting our new creation duty and delight of doing good works, of serving others. And one of the works that we neglect is sharing the good news about Jesus with our neighbors. So Christian, what, what should we do with this? We ought to boast about the goodness of our Savior. We ought to share our faith. In your neighborhood, on your job, to your peers, to your direct reports, to your bosses, in your family, to your acquaintances, when you're scared, when you don't feel like it, when you're socially uncomfortable, when you're insecure, when you're doubtful of your own abilities. Why? Because the good news is that good. The good news is that good. When something is truly good, we share it. We get excited about it. And if something is actually good, we have a moral obligation to share it. You know, and this, and, and, and indeed, the opposite. 50% of Gen Z believes that sharing your faith is immoral, but Jesus tells us that when something is that good, you must share it. You can't withhold it from people. And we do this as we do life with people and as we serve people. We don't have to do a whole speech or we don't have to, you know, do this whole big thing. We can just share it in the same way that we share our favorite sports team. You know, we, we, we share our favorite Savior. In the same way that we f share our favorite music album or our favorite restaurant or our favorite place in town, the, these things just roll off of our lips as we speak because they're, they're, we're just effortlessly excited about them in the same way with our Savior. Family, we must remember. We, we must remember how God picked us up and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground. We must remember that God's love was a balm to a bleeding soul and a hopeless situation. 
We must remember how God provided our every need in the midst of starvation and homelessness. We must remember that God's mercy shone in the midst of our crushing guilt and shame. We must remember how time and time again God's grace makes a way out of no way through many dangers, toils, and snares. We must remember how God has given us strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. We must remember how Jesus has walked with us in the midst of our sorrows and trials. We must remember how Jesus rode over our enemies when we were under abuse and oppression. We must remember how God's power transformed those destructive deeds and desires that were ruining ourselves and our families and our friendships around us. And we must remember how God has given us a mission and a purpose as we mourned our broken homes, our broken communities, and broken cities. We must remember. So family, remember where you came from, remember who got you here, and remember who you are. And it is only because of our great Savior that we can do any of this. He was the one who remembered where he came from. He came from heaven to come down, to be with us, to serve us, to die for us. He remembered, he remembered who got him there. He remembered his father every step of his life. And he remembered who he was. He was the savior who came to die for us, to redeem us from our sins. And it was only because he remembered that we can walk out of forgetfulness and into remembrance, remembering how good the good news is. Amen? Would you all pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to serve you, to love you, to adore you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember. Remember how good you are. Lord, we need you. Lord, I pray that you would reignite passion within us for those of us who have gotten comfortable. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember your goodness. Lord, remember, help us to remember that you are amazing. Holy Spirit, help us to walk as new creatures. Help us to share the good news with our neighbors. We love you. Amen.